So if they put in like a bunch of different chemicals in there, all they need to put is natural flavors and it'll yeah. count. Because like I said, like if every day was a good day, there would be no good days. Some people out there, they're like putting, you know, pledges in dog cages and like shooting them with like BB guns. It's the best. Oh, Robbie J. Bobby in the building. I've been so excited Magic for this one. coming in. When, when, did I, when, when did we agree on this? Like two days ago. Robbie's like, when can I be on your podcast? I'm like... That was Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, bet. Do you That's like it? Thing. Yeah, this is a dope setup. You have a podcast too. Yeah, Vibe Check. Vibe Check. How's vibe that? Vibe Check, dude. It's thriving. We literally hop on. There's like no script. Oh, interesting. <laughs> we got the we got the idea from somebody. I think Gary V. Yeah. Hmm, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but um, fuck. No, we literally just go in there, hop on live, and just post it. It's it's just like raw and real content. We just talk about life, emotions, etc. Nice. Well, that being said, today's guest is one of my closest friends. We have Robbie J. Bobby coming all the way from Ohio, moving to L.A., influencer, life changer, knife seller, everything, all of the above. The man does does it all. Thank you, Robbie, for being on the podcast. It was such man. an honor and a blessing to be here acquainted with one of my very best friends, somebody I trust and I love a lot. So thank you for having me on. You're a, you're a heavy motivator, not only to me, but you're getting into public speaking. You're getting into speaking changing people's lives huh tell me about that yeah honestly like just to rip off the band-aid it come it came back all the way back from like eighth grade when i moved out of my fr uh, family's house and lived with friends throughout high school and like from that point on i knew that like, there was something instilled in me that i wanted more and i really want to pay forward the love and the knowledge that's been paid forward to me and help like encourage other people that with the right you know influence the right motivation the right mindset that they can overcome any challenge that is set against them so i noticed something you had not struggled with, but something in, in along your path when you moved to LA was mm -hmm. you were unsure what you wanted to do exactly because you had been selling knives, correct? Like mm -hmm. with Cutco. Yeah. Uh, and then you got, you kind of like tested your water, tested the waters and yeah. like content, skit creation, mm -hmm. whatever it was. And and then you completely transitioned 180 into motivational speeches, which is, which I love to hear. Yeah. Tell me about the whole process of like what you went through. Yeah. Honestly, I think there's no wrong direction as long as you're like giving 100% effort in one direction you really get a feel for like oh is this something that I really want to do long term or is this something that I can utilize these skills and you know move it into a diff different um, platform or a different career path and so with that being said I really felt like I really was focusing on too many things all at once with like content creation knife selling you know, motivational speaking life coaching all these different things and yes you can you know give a little bit of effort in a lot of different categories to get experience but to really break through that wall I feel like you really have to hone in and like throw all your eggs in one basket to break through that wall. And then after that is a great way to, you know, spread your wings out and be able to fly. But you have to have like one strong path that can like break through that wall of success first. And right now that's life coaching and motiv motivational speaking for me. Do you think after going through all this stuff that you always end up in the direction of like what you were meant for? Do you believe in that? Like, do you believe like looking back at your life mm -hmm. that, a part of you always had life coaching, had motivation. Is that is that a reason you think you fell into this path specifically? Yeah, honestly, a lot of it came down. And I actually had this conversation with my girlfriend a couple of days ago. How she was like, you know, you don't market and give yourself enough credit for the decision that you made to move out of your parents' house because, you know, we were financially struggling and all this kind of stuff and like moving from house to house to house. And it was like really difficult. But at the same time, it was a gift in disguise looking back because I picked up so many skills on like how to talk to people, um, how to work my way through challenges and overcome with resilience. And so with that being said, it really took me from like thinking, oh, you know, woe is me, all this stuff is happening to me to being like, you know, each each one of these, you know, occurrences or hardships are really a blessing in disguise because it's, it's training me 
to be resilient and overcome the challenges that I need to, you know, moving forward and set myself up for challenges um, in any category. So if I know I'm not being like, for example, when I was in college, I was like homecoming king and president of my fraternity and senator for the College of Nursing. And I was in a way tired of winning because I knew that I was a big fish in a small pond. And that's why I wanted to move out to LA to begin with, because I knew it was going to be a challenge for me. I knew that I was going to be forced to grow. And from that point moving forward, it's just been, you know, growing ever since. So it's been pretty exciting. Wow. Uh, I didn't, <laughs> honestly, I didn't know you were part of a frat. I yeah. was, I was like, dude, I've been, yeah. cause I, I go to, I've been going to UCLA a lot to yeah. play soccer. I, I, I told you that I'm like, did I tell you? No. How do, I, the, do I spark you as a fraternity guy? Yes, but I didn't think you were part of one. <laughs> I want to talk about that because I've been going there a lot because I play on their soccer team, like their club mm-hmm. soccer. I know it's a complete 180, but we could go yeah, back. But I'm just so interested about like frat life. Sure. Like all I get mm-hmm. from being an outsider, never being part of a fraternity, like sure, I hear brotherhood. I hear like building this strong foundation mm-hmm. and relationship with a group of guys that you could like eventually yeah. build into something big. But honestly, the shit I see, bro, it's just like these guys trying to just be with a bunch of girls, yeah. which is like... For, that, I don't know. I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's what sure. I see from the outside. So I don't know yeah, what is on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so from the outside looking in, it's, it's really difficult to see, you know, the flourishment of, you know, brotherhood, friendship, sound learning, moral rectitude, the things that we focus on internally. But yes, that is uh, heavily disguised by the drinking that might be happening or like the, the overwhelming, you know, concern of like, oh, we got to get girls tonight or something like that. And yes, that is like hev- heavily a part of the culture of fraternity life. Um, but with that being said, you know, you're going to get like 80% of the guys that are like that, but the 20% of the, the leaders within are actually trying to, you know, develop the rest of the guys. And although we have our fun too, it's like developing each person to be the best version of themselves each and every day. So it's holding your brothers accountable for, you know, the actions that they're taking, the mindsets that they're, they have moving forward. And a lot of it, like when you asked about that initially, I just thought about like all the times that, you know, I was like going through a hard time or a lot of my brothers were going through a hard time and, you know, we were just be able to able to be there for one another and help encourage each other um, through those hard times to overcome the challenges that, you know, held against us. Uh, for example, um, 2020 happened and, you know, obviously there was COVID and all this kind of stuff, but we, this is going to get really deep really fast. Yeah, you talk about it. So we actually had a fraternity brother of ours, you know, actually take his own life, which was like really challenging for me personally, because within the fraternity, I was president at that time. And for me, like this is a new brother. He had been, um, you know, in the fraternity for about seven months. And it was really challenging for me because not only did I have to take the direct, um, you know, emotional hit, you know, to deal with that personally, but I didn't have time to do that because I was, you know, so focused on, you know, making sure everybody else had the resources, the, um, the mental health help that they needed at the time. And so, with that being said, I thought it was like really, uh, it was really beautiful to watch like all the brothers come together and support, um, Cameron was his name, uh, support Cameron's life at the time. But for me personally, like I found myself running so thin on like, you know, making sure everybody else's glass was filled that I was running out on empty. And so with that being said, I shared this with my fraternity and they really like were able to like, you know, delegate for me because I was so clouded like mentally and like, so, you know, empty full of like empty of life at the time where they, they helped like put the pieces back together for me. So that was like a beautiful part of like being a fraternity, being in a fraternity to begin with. Uh, so yeah, it's really like supporting one another and making sure like we have, you know, one another to like rely on if you need it. So I, I was talking to uh, my girlfriend, Brittany the <laughs> other day about this. I was like, I've, I've like realized that she has turned into like such a person in my life that if I have any struggles going on outside that 
now I have like the safe zone in my head that I have someone like her and like you, like people like you and stuff in my life that like I could go to and like, we talked about unconditional love. Like we get into that later, about how real that is, but it really, it feels like really good inside to have someone like that. So when you mentioned like having these people that support you, like no matter what, and like Mm -hmm. through your hardships and you give your all, they give their all and whatever you guys are going through, you're going to get through. I feel like I have that in like someone like her and Mm -hmm. like friends like you guys. And it's just nice to have, like, I know there's a lot of people that when they're going through something, unfortunately don't have any kind of support whether that's family friends whatever it is mm-hmm. so i think that's like the, it's 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 actually really when you like really start having like real problems you'll understand how crucial and beneficial it is to have that kind of support system yeah. behind you but it gets scary when you when you realize there's people that don't and then like if i think about some things i've been through it's not even like crazy crazy but then i think about like what if i didn't have this what if i didn't mm-hmm. have the family that supported me what if i didn't have these friends behind me yeah. and i think when you what you mentioned with like the fraternities and brothers and stuff like that that's like a big support thing and yeah I, I i didn't see that before but absolutely and i think a lot of that has to do do with like you know the whole like me moving out and being super independent and on my own is like what i was searching for the whole time was a family and so you know fraternity was that for me moving out here like you're part of my family like you know shane's part of my family i have like this family that i've developed here and that's like a really crucial part of wherever you're going to be at is not not having the mindset of being so transient and transactional with your friendships but knowing that you can like really provide value for fucking value fucking value (laughs) really provide value for those that you love and cherish it's not about what can i get from this and although that's important you know for it to be mutually life-giving like i like to say um but it's really like what how can i provide value for the, the individual in front of me and how can i make them feel loved and cherished at the same time and it's never like you know you know what can i obtain whether it be words or actions just sometimes knowing the person can be there for you at the end of the day is really all all, all that it is about and that's why i'm like really keen on like what are the intentions of the people that i like hold really close to me and like i mentioned before um, i like i love the term mutually life-giving because although i love you know you know pouring out to people and you know helping people get to the next best version of themselves it's also nice to have that poured back into me and not even in a in terms of like getting something out of the person but just knowing that you know we're there for each other at the end of the day mutually love-giving if you will when you when you say provide value do you you say like it's it's important to provide value without expecting, correct? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a big thing. Then yeah. I mean, mutually giving. Do you think you providing value and seeing even just a smile on their face is something that makes you happy and that that value is enough for you to want to do that? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes from not not only seeing like the growth that they have, you know, as an individual, but just knowing that I can you know give my best efforts and really tying my identity to somebody that is a what would you call, you know, just a, a shifter for somebody's life just to make sure that like I'm like providing a pivotal moment in their life just by meeting me to make their lives essentially better. It's just like what it like really instills in me like, okay, I am this individual, but what am I doing to meet up to the expectation of which I hold myself to? And that's why the word integrity is so big to me because at the end of the day, if I look myself in the mirror and I'm like, you know, I kept all the promises that, you know, I set out um, for myself that's what really gives me a lot of like, you know, fruit in life um, in general. It makes me like a more positive person is because, you know, not only am I being integrous with the words that I'm keeping with other people, which is great, but like, am I making myself, you know, at peace with who I say I'm going to be too? It's pretty mm-hmm. important. Wow. It's deep. It's deep. deep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go back. I want to talk more about 
the fun end of the fraternity sure, sure. life. This is a great time. Hey, I, uh, hazing. I want to, I want to, I, I don't Go know on. if you can talk because I've talked to some people and they're like, I thought you said fun. Okay. No. I mean, so. <laughs> fun for the, not the ones. Getting okay. I'm sure it's fun on the other end. Sure. I don't, dude, I might just be like getting into some deep fraternity stuff that I'm sure. probably not allowed to talk about. But like, I heard some things about like, the UCLA frats and stuff. Sure. And I was like, dog, you ate a cockroach. You ate, you did this. You got yeah. dropped off naked here. <laughs> I'm like, dude, like that, like that's real. That's probably why they get banned a lot of places. Cause the mm-hmm. college I went to, for example, all the fraternity houses were off campus. Yeah. Um, the school couldn't know about it. School couldn't know about parties. Really? I didn't even know about it. I mean, like it was like that secret cause they were just banned. So yeah. like probably because of the hazing, what was, you, what, what did I see? Like you were blacked out on campus on the ground. Blacked the out day. naked. Right. Dick out. <laughs> cockroach in my mouth it's all personal experience yeah. <laughs> i'm talking about i'm just like i'm like dude i heard someone my cockroaches <laughs> PTSD. Uh, uh. <laughs> but, uh, to, to talk a little bit about can hazing. you talk can, yeah can you talk about what you did i'm gonna be very transparent like i don't like hold anything back i'm very like real with this kind of stuff because at our fraternity like the littlest thing nowadays can be considered hazing like if you you know ask somebody like you know somebody that's pledging your fraternity like Hey, you know, go buy food for me with your like a little meal card. That's like hazing nowadays. And pledging so, means applying basically to get in. Pretty much, yeah. To be like, you know, working to to be a brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's called the pledging process. And yes, there's like Hell Week, which is considered like I think they got this from the military. It's like okay, like your last week of which like you're almost initiated or you're almost a Navy SEAL. It's like Where that's you gonna decide be like the most if you challenging. Do it yeah. Or not. Yeah, and they really like test your limits. Um, in the Navy, but <clears throat> anyways, I mean, sports are doing that too now in high sport, schools. Yeah, and sports have always and done it. And yeah, people yeah. label it as such like a fraternity thing because that's what gets the most publicity because they're trying to like get rid of them. Uh, but there's a lot of good that comes out of fraternity too, like um, philanthropies and like raising money for awareness for different things. Like um, Fidel, my fraternity there um, at Kent State University, like they've almost you know cured um, ALS due to like the money that we've raised from that. And so it's like really cool the things that they are doing, but. Yes, hazing um, can be involved to a certain extent, um, but to speak from my personal experience, and I can't speak for like every other like fraternity or different campuses, because you know we have the same fraternity at different campuses, and all of us, you know, you know there are different levels of hazing of what that's considered. Like I knew some people in Alabama that I met at like an inter inter fraternity like national conference, and they were talking about you know I was like oh like we. Like our hazing is considered like having interviews with the FICAIA or like the, the pledges that are rushing our fraternity, but it's like really just getting to know them on a one-on-one basis. And we like encourage them and like, you know, we don't force it, but we're like, yo, this is like the process of becoming a brother. You got to like meet every brother and this kind of thing and that, but like some people out there, they're like putting, you know, pledges in dog cages and like shooting them with like BB guns and like making a lot worse than what I heard, (laughs) making them chug milk and like throw up all over each other and things like that. Like it gets pretty crazy, but I think, for anybody that's even thinking of fraternity life, like if you're not being respected, uh, first of all, by, you know, the people that are brothers, like you don't want to be a part of that anyways, because it's just going to transient like you as an individual. Like if you, they always say that you're the average of who you surround yourself with. So if you're looking at these people and they're making you do things that, you know, don't align with like, who you are, you don't have to do it. Don't feel like any pressure to, you know, be in a fraternity just because you get, you know, parties and girls. You can go to a party and find girls if you if you want to anywhere, really. Uh, so really, like, finding a place that's really going to align with the person that you wish to be in the future, I feel like is really crucial, which is the first reason that I, I joined the fraternity that I did. Uh, because, like I mentioned, each chapter is different at each campus. And um, another thing is, like, the re- real reason that I joined was to, you know, be a disciple for, like, 
for Jesus. That was like my main reason of joining. But like at the point at that time, I wasn't like a strong Christian either. And so what ended up happening is they ended up discipling me and I became like, you know, much more of a partier and like ended up um, going out a lot more than I expected. But with that being said, I was able to still provide a lot of love and life value to the people around me, even being in that environment. So it was kind of cool. Mm. Can you speak on any specific types of hazing? Like, mm -hmm. you say, like, I, I understand, like, mm -hmm. you are the average of who you surround yourself with. Sure. I think, like, if you don't want to do something, then if people should respect your decision. And, right. But how does that play in, like, frat life? Like, if, if I go to join, if, I, if I'm in college, I want to join a frat, they're like, you got to do this. I'm like, no. How does that play out? Like, you, you can fully say no. And, like, whether Still they... Still get in? Whether they let you, let like, be in or not, that's, like, up to them. But like if if they're if you say no to something that's out of self-respect and they don't let you join, it's in my opinion like something you don't want to be a part of anyway. So like you just like find another organization that you really find you know a lot of value, um, and um, honestly a lot of you know respect in you know their morals and what they stand for. And are they really standing behind like what they say they are, or are they being like, um, are they just saying that to get like people involved? Like that's something you gotta really gotta look out for too. That's something I didn't really recognize until like a couple years after when I was like doing the national conferences and things like that. When I realized like our fraternity had it much more together than a lot of others um, because, you know, that stuff's out there for sure. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah, talk yeah. about your hazing. Can you? Our hazing are they, particularly, are they come yeah. after you? If you do? No, I mean, I don't care. I mean, <laughs> I'm a well-respected individual and they still reach out to me and like, you know, ask me for like tips and, you know, tricks to, you know, for leadership values to like implement into the fraternity. But like, with our, I guess, hazing, particularly, um, I, I mean, at maximum, we would have, you know, to, you know, you know, talk about like the history of the fraternity, like we would be, you know, you know, in a room kind of like around and like just answer, you know, questions about the history, history of the fraternity. And like, we would have to, um, you know, we had these, you know, books that we had like interviews with all the brothers. And that's really the extent of like, whatever hazing is involved. But like every week, we would have quizzes on the history, like what we knew about the brothers, like who the who was in certain positions and things like that. But like, you know, other fraternities out there, they have those things which I'm very aware of, but we never did. Oh, really? Quite honestly, yeah. It was just one of the bigger frats. Uh, we were the biggest fraternity on our campus. And this frat fraternity mm -hmm. extends into different colleges too, correct? Correct. Yeah, we have I think over 150 chapters across the nation. Okay, and they all have like it's it's Greek life, so it's mm -hmm. it's after like these Greek. Delta, what is that? Yeah. Delta, Sigma, Alpha. You really wanted me to. Huh? <clears throat> Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, Zeta, Eta, Theta, I, Kepa, Lamb, Mu, Nu, Zeta, No, Crime, Pyro, Sigma, Tau, Epsilon, Phi, Kassai, Omega, Sir. You know how it is. He became an auctioneer, bro. Oh, I still got it. No, but. <laughs> say, 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 like, six of them, and then say going once, going twice. <laughs> go, go, go. Go, go. Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, going once, going twice. Here, here. Five, code seven. That's just how it goes. Dude, I but just. Like, we had to be able to do that in like under 10 seconds. Oh, really? Yeah. Dude, I so just found you a like, new career path <laughs> on the podcast, bro. I'm an auctioneer, baby. <laughs> it, was uh, a, it was an interesting experience, to say the least, but I got a lot of value out of it. Got, obviously, get a lot of network, but yeah. yeah, it's a little bit of fraternity life. Did you learn anything new? I, I was about to ask you, do looks matter in joining a fraternity? No, I wouldn't say so. It's, really? more, it's more so the energy that you bring. It's like, can this person like, you know, be a leader, first of all, but can they also you know, step behind the scenes and do the responsibilities of which like we need each position to be filled. And like, are they, you know, are they willing to be a student as well? Are the student of the fraternity, like learn about what, you know, we stand for and be able to pay that forward um, for the other people that are getting involved too. So what did you mean when you asked me, 
do you look like somebody that would join a frat? Because there's you a look. Or me. You. You asked me if you yeah. look like someone that would join mm-hmm. a frat. Or that was part of a frat. Yeah. There is a look. You know there is a look. Sure. If I put 30 guys in front of yeah. you and you could pick, and I told you there was five of them, we'd probably be able to pick out at least 10 that look like they could be in a frat. Right? I would say like right off the rip, it's like, you know, are you somebody that is at least like likes to portray confidence? Like in any such a manner. Like that a, I agree. Okay. Yeah. It, even if it's fake, like if you're trying to like put it out there like, oh, I have confidence. Like that's the kind of person that I'm like, well, they, they might have been in fraternity. But like obviously the dress code has a lot to do with it. if you're wearing chubbies and, you know, what are those, uh, what are those Birkenstocks? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Okay. That's what it is. Or Sperry's, you know, boat shoes and stuff like that. Yeah. And if they were naked, they'd all have six packs. Absolutely. <laughs> that's just bare minimum requirement. We're like, are oh, you want to join this fraternity? rip off your shirt <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> not i mean that's what i've seen that's why that's why i wanted to ask you because it, the stuff in my head is very stereotypical of like sure. what you see now in movies yeah i mean even, honestly even what i'm seeing when i go to these schools and stuff like that like i'm in a group and like mm-hmm. i know who's part of a frat and i I'm, i happen to be right all the time and then yeah i we were like i was watching the soccer game um because the soccer game after us was mm-hmm. two frats mm-hmm. um and dude like it's like it's like a gang like they, they were the two top like frats playing in soccer against yeah. each other. Like you could tell, bro, there's some tension between them. I was like, damn. Oh, between bro. the fraternities? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Like the way they're like, I'm like, damn, soccer is this physical? And yeah. Like, fuck, it's it's crazy. So like when I was actually in the fraternity, there was like a lot of animosity between like other fraternities just because of ego. Like everybody wants like to be the top fraternity, this, that, and the other, and they're always like trying to rat on each other for mm-hmm. like, oh, this person's hazing or this person's, you know, their grades are messing up. Oh, they do that? People try to tell on each other to bring them down, but I don't think a lot of people realize, and this goes for anything in life, is that, you know, this there's like a mountain of success. And what a lot of people think is that there's a peak at the top. But with that being said, if that's going to be true, then there's no other option to, than to push other people down to try to like get to the top. But what reality is, is like when you're talking about success, there's a plateau and what there's there's room for everybody. So like to be able to like be at the top and encourage other people to meet meet up there with you, then there's much more success because at that point collaboration can happen and like the more the merrier and like if you get more people's ideas and more people that have like their individuality to be able to like you know create something you know magical, that's like much more ideal than like only one person b- being at the top and then you know only having one people one person or one organization to look up to and there's just like not a lot of value in that. Right, this is explosive. interesting. There has to be a fat guy in the frat. There always <laughs> has to be at least one. Like Kia. I, I mean, can make it, bro. I can make it, bro. I got Jonah a chance. The Jonah Hill of the group. Channing Tatum's like the frat guy, and Jonah Hill's the nerd. Like, just what is this? Uh, hold on, hold on. I'm no, I'm no Jonah Hill here, but I can still make the frat. No, that's crucial, actually. Like, you always got, like, the people that, you know, are the athletes and, you know, the smart people. But, like, I think it's crucial to have, like, the one big guy just to, like, you know, have – is he's the guy that brings all the fun. He's like mm. that guy. You just like look at it and you're like, talk. You're going to like us laugh, you know? Now, are you guys worried that this guy is going to take all the girls for how funny he is at the parties? Or does this guy just not ever leave We're the girls? We're not worried about that because friend zone is definitely a thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. You talked about the uh, the group of like uh, the frat in Alabama that you guys, what, what was that situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of the bigger schools, I feel like if you have like, more than two or 300 in a fraternity, that's where things get a little iffy because it's hard to like maintain a lot of, I, I guess, quality members um, when there's such a quantity. And and is I that what like, was going on? Yeah, when people are so much focused on re- recruitment, 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 there gets a lot of um, 
less value in each member and that's why there's such a lack of retention because in transient schools like that people just come and go just get a quick experience of fraternity life and that's where i feel like a lot of the hazing comes in because you know people aren't really committed to the value that the fraternity can actually bring they're more just you know there for the experience mm, and you guys call each other brothers huh yeah brothers and then brothers. the sororities are sisters sisters in alabama that might actually be the case, huh? be the case in west virginia <laughs> <laughs> West Virginia, for sure. That's funny. Take me home. Oh. Country, country road. <laughs> country road? What is it? I don't know. It's like, uh, take me home country roads. I think it's the song. That's uh, what it John is. John is John Denver. John Denver. <laughs> John What's Denver? That's the guy that makes that song. Really? Yeah, he died in 1997. Damn. Why do I know Two this? Two years before really sure. him. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know the lyrics. He knows everything about the dude. Yeah. That's funny. Okay, let's. that's that's enough frat life. Cool. You, you opened my mind. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no problem. I, Still, I, I still have the same vision of a frat guy in my head. Makes sense. But now he could be fat. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so thank you. Maybe have some morals. Frat boys could be fat boys is what Armand says. We'll live, put that cool. quote up. Frat boys that- can be fat boys. Armand Zaidi. All inclusive. <laughs> All inclusive. Here we go. <laughs> it's like a Mexican resort. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> I, I'm honestly so intrigued. I want to go back to the motivational stuff that you're mm-hmm. doing. Because you did mention before I got off topic into the frat stuff, Mm -hmm. you mentioned all the hardships you had been through that honestly opened your mind into something where you can provide value to someone that may need it. Uh, I think the question I had and like the other side of things that I wanted to ask was, can you provide value not going through these hardships? Is there any type of like life lessons or motivational uh, wisdom that you could give to someone without having to deal with all these crazy hardships through your life? Yeah, I feel like it's definitely the case. So a lot of the people that haven't gone through hardships usually have the, you know, people and the resources to be able to pay forward to them, like whether it be in a family or close family friends, to be able to like provide those resources and mindsets and, you know, instill in beliefs that, you know, you can make it, um, you know, just being provided that you've been around those people your whole life. Now, with that being said, you know, the people that have like been given those tools and resources have kind of like, if if I were to make an illustration, it's kind of like there's two, like there's like a valley with like two um, mountains one's like where you want to be and one's where you're starting at like when you're born and I feel like you know a lot of the people that you know you know have the firm foundation and a solid family life like they're given that bridge that they can like walk through and not have to go through all these adversities and make it through the path to success and whatever that looks like for them but you know with um with some people that have like gone through like a lot of adversity and a lot of challenges um there's 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 a certain thing that they have and I like to call it resiliency where they're like you know taking responsibility for the situation that they're in and they're like hey man, I may not have given been given the right cards but I can create something out of this because we're all I feel like instilled with something to be able to create in the first place with which every human has um, and with that being said like you can you know you know work your way up and like work through all and fight through to the way of success and then once you're at that point of you know success or whatever that looks like for you like you can encourage and help other people, you know, bridge the gap so that they don't have to go through the valley. So that's why I'm really keen on like, you know, finding somebody, you know, that is exactly where you want to be in life, like a coach or a mentor or whatever that looks like uh, to be able to bridge the gap for each area of your life. Like, for example, I just did a bodybuilding show in November and I'd been lifting for 15 years of my life since like middle school. And with that being said, like, the past six months of me like doing that coaching, I've learned more in that six months than I have the 15 years that I've been lifting. So finding somebody where you can like fo- find the master and follow the model, I feel like is really, really um, 
important and crucial for anybody's growth in whatever area they're trying to do, which is why right now I'm really, you know, particular about having the right coach for every area of my life, whether it be bodybuilding, life coaching, um, just life in general. I just hired a life coach. And so that being said, like I'm excited to get all those resources poured into me expedited rather than me having to try to find it on my own. Interesting. Yeah. I guess the reason I ask is because the thing I'm trying to like, I'm super big. You know how big I am on like drinking and stuff like yeah, that. Right. Like I don't, I don't want to make my whole like message and image and everything to be like, don't drink. But that's something so big that's been in my life. Cause it's such a, like a big thing in everyday culture that we yeah. see around. And that's something that like people could look at me later and be like, you never struggled with like an alcoholic, like an alcohol problem. You never like had an alcoholic in your family, this, that, like, so I, I don't want to trust you and like your words you say, because you never had these hardships. So you wouldn't understand why I do this or why I might be in this yeah. situation. Right. Sure. But I think living it on the opposite end, which is what I'm doing mm-hmm. is also as uh, motivational as maybe yeah. being on the other end of things yeah. and being like, well, look, I've been able to live a happy life without it. Now, I understand you might be in a situation where you have this traumatic thing going on in your life where this is like your escape. It might be yeah. the way you could get away from it. And I understand that. I think I want to be there for those people. I'm not there saying right. like, if you're doing this, you're stupid. If yeah, you're doing right. this, I'm not with you at all. I'm just saying I'm, I'm, there is the other side of it where you actually don't need it, right? And if you're, if you're dealing with a problem, I'm there to help. If there's something you need, I'm there for you. I'm not here to say you're stupid. I'm not here to say yeah. don't do it. I think the confusion is where I, I want to be the image for those kids that are thinking about maybe doing this for whatever reason. It might be whether it's their friends doing yeah. it or whatnot. And I want to be the reason maybe they can't look at it and be like, well, yeah. he didn't do it and look where he's at now. Yeah. As opposed, yeah, go ahead. Would you agree that you're in a position where you feel like very unique in the fact that you haven't drank? I absolutely. I think absolutely. I was talking to Armand before this too. He's mm-hmm. like, dude, I really respect you for this. He's the same way. I want to hang out with you at parties. Right. Cause you don't see this. Like you go to parties. Like I feel the same way I've, t- I've told everyone. The reason I don't really like mm-hmm. going to parties and I don't go out is cause I really, I truly feel alone at these parties mm-hmm. when I don't do it. Like I'll be in the corner on my phone and yeah. then like, like this is deep. Like, you know how drinking goes throughout right. the night. It just, people just get more and more drunk and sure. like, it feels like people are just throughout the night just changing and I'm just staying the same and I don't mm-hmm. like that feeling of feeling alone. Right. So if I go, I'll go for the beginning, I'll go for a little bit and then I'll just leave, yeah. you know? I feel like this goes for anything in life as well. It's like if you're in a, in a position where like you feel like so, you know, out of the norm or so unique, that I that sometimes I feel like is your greatest strength. And I feel like when if you were to able to like, you know, be in a motivational sp- speech or something like that you know instead of having an individual that has gone through you know challenges of you know drinking and alcoholism and like has overcome those challenges yes there's a crowd that's particularly you know right for that but to be you know a motivational speaker for say kids who have never drank before and you know it'd be it'd be odd in a way like yes there's value in it but it'd be odd to have somebody that's like overcome a lot of drinking problems and been like hey kids don't do this when they're like you did it and you turned out fine. You know what I mean? Exactly. So like to be in a position that you're in and being like, Hey, like I haven't done this and I've still like am great and I'm living this, you know, thriving life. And I really love, you know, the experience that I'm able to like provide, you know, for the world with what I'm doing is like goes to show like, Oh, maybe I don't have to do that to feel this way. And so I feel like being in your position, like, yes, there's a lot of value in, in not drinking and be able to like portray that story. But also, you know, individuals that have done that and, just having any empathy in the world at all, like you can, you know, you know, tell their stories without having to experience it yourself too. Absolutely. I think that's why I asked you at first if 
you need to go through these situations. I think the other question I had, like, what's the line between being fake and like not being fake? Like if I were, you're right. If I were to be drinking every once in a while and I'm telling people never drink, don't even try it. But then they look at me like, well, you're doing it here and there. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're really strong on your message. Like what's the, I don't understand like where the separation is. I think the fact that I haven't done it is a way stronger message. So that's why I mm -hmm. always tell people, I think the way you live your life is the biggest motivation you could give to somebody. Mm -hmm. And like the, the, the speeches are just your words telling your life. So I yeah. think whether you're going through hardship, whatever it is, the way you live your life is always the best way. Cause I always like to look at, like you see these big people on TV, everything. I'm always the guy to go look at their behind the scenes life. And if I really respect the person, I want to see what they're doing behind the scenes. And you'd be surprised. A lot of times people are like not what they seem online, but the mm -hmm. thing I want to be is I want to be the person that I say I am yeah. when I'm not on TV, on camera, you know? Yeah. And so. I feel like that's really evident. Like when you're looking at anybody's social media in general, yes, like you can go out and like, you know, portray somebody that's like not who you actually are. But I feel like more and more nowadays, people are able to like see right through that kind of stuff. Even like if you're trying to like blow up on social media and find a niche that like you think is like really cool and like you really like, I mean, we've, we know people that have done this. They like try and niche out and you know, they might be on it for six months, but if it's not truly passionate and fulfilling for them, it's not going to last. It's not going to be sustainable. So it really, um, it's, it's so clear to me when I'm looking, looking at somebody's page and I'm like, okay, they're actually like really authentic and like really diving into wanting, wanting to provide value for other people. Not only, um, you know, blow up to, you know, get some money or fame or fortune. It's so, so easy to see that. It stops. If you're, if you're going after it for that, you're going to keep changing direction. Yeah. And you're right. You could see that. You go look mm -hmm. at, uh, you're mentioning social media. You go look at someone's social media page. You could tell if somebody is not truly happy with what they're doing. Yeah. And I'm not saying they're not happy people. I'm just saying their end goal is just something that it doesn't align with the, what they're doing, which is why they just keep changing direction. Yeah. Oh, there's money here. Oh, there's more fame here. Oh, there's this, that. And, but that's why at the beginning of this podcast, I also said like, do you think you fall back into what you were truly meant for? Because looking back at my life, like I was always like, I liked being funny. I liked, I, I made like short little videos when I was younger. I used to make yeah. like funny dance videos and stuff like that. And there was like a part of my life where I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And then when social media truly became like as big as it is now, mm -hmm. and I started putting out content that I just, I didn't, I didn't like go after this, like knowing I wanted to do this, but this just kind of fell into place. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I, I think when you're truly like pushing at one thing, you're always going to fall into place sort of with like what you in the back of your mind, didn't know you had in mind, but has always been there kind of thing, you yeah. know? I think it's, like, super crucial to, um, like, in today's society, like, say you're driving in a car to, like, everybody's, like, looking at all the cars around them and being like, oh, that'd be nice, that'd be really cool to have. Like, yes, it's good to have, like, dreams and ambitions, but to, you know, have the same mindset of, like, looking outside the window and being like, oh, like, I want to live like this person, I want to live like this person. Like, you don't know their story, you don't know what makes them happy, you don't know what makes them thrive. So what I feel like a lot of people need to stop doing is stop looking out of the window and start looking at the mirror at themselves. And that's where I feel like a lot of, you know, reflection and fulfillment comes from, is taking a look at yourself and understanding, you know, how you work, how, you, how your beliefs and values, like, line up with, like, who you want to be moving forward. And I feel like that's the best thing to do, is just have that self-awareness of what makes you fulfilled, not what everybody else, you know, makes it seem like, you know, is fulfilling for them, whether it be, you know, fame, money, followers, you know, all this kind of stuff that's so uh, infinite, like you can always get more and more of, mm. you know what I mean? So yeah. it, long story short, like stop chasing the things that are so, you know, fake and kind of like, you know, really take an introspective look at like, what does it look like to live and love fully? And that's going to be your friends, your family and yourself. Yeah.
there's a line in the song that says, you don't know what the driver had to do just to pass by you. And like, I, I think that falls in a line with like, <laughs> not only in like life where you don't know what people had to do yeah. just to like get the fame success they get, but also like that car reference you made. Like if you yeah. see a fancy car, like you don't know what that person's going through. You don't know if they're happy. Like I'm sure they might like drive by you in a yeah. fancy ass car, but like sure might be like, <laughs> like Gary V says, like you don't want to be crying in a Ferrari. You know, he's like, yeah. if you truly understand what crying means, you don't want to be crying in a Ferrari. Right. Yeah. They say, um, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. And I, I could see that because once you get to a point where you're like in the world, like so successful, if you don't feel fulfilled, it's like, what else is there to do? And that's why you see so many of these people, you know, that, you know, have all this success. Like, um, you know, I mean, you've seen, you know, what's, what's his name? The, uh, the guy from like, Mrs. Doubtfire and like all that kind of stuff. Robbins, I think is his name. Um, Robin, Robin Williams. Williams, Robin Williams, yeah. like that, for example, like you see, like he has all this outside success, but like if there's no fulfillment internally, yeah. it's like, that's the ultimate failure. And that's why I feel like some people that get to that point, they feel like empty in a way because they've, you know, spent their lives like working through all this and like trying to get to the top at the top. If there's nobody there with you, it's like hard to like, I guess, feel and experience life at that point. Yeah. I think, I think that starts now as opposed to later. I think a lot of the times when you're on a path like we're on, whatever the path might be, when you're just grinding, working every day, anything that comes to you, I always like back, like my whole life was if there's anything, I'd always want to put it aside and deal with it later. Mm -hmm. But then when you try to deal with something later, something else might come and you'll forget about that one thing. Yeah. And then you don't want the whole effect of all this falling on you five years from now because then that's mm -hmm. when like, when you, when, when you reach a point, you're always going to reach a point where you're like, I need a break from whatever you yeah. might be doing. Right. And you don't want when you're taking that break for all this shit to come back to you. Mm -hmm. So I think now, I think the biggest thing is conversation and finding people you could trust and really that, that you love that you could talk to. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is, I, I always tell people like, I don't care how big or small your problem is. If it's a problem, it's a problem, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't even have to be a problem. If there's something you just need to talk about, like talking about it now when it's there. And I don't care if you tripped on a rock and now you're having these, crazy, these <laughs> right. weird thoughts about some whatever, yeah. right? Like, mm -hmm. I think talking about it is the best medicine and I think handling it now as opposed to later, yeah. it makes you more confident, makes you stronger and allows you just to connect with that, the people that you truly need in your life, you know? Yeah, I could totally see that, especially like if you're, you know, dealing with any mental illness or like any, you know, challenge in your life, if you're not like letting it out, it's only going to build in your head more and more. And I think this has to do with like relationships too, friendships in general. Like if there's an issue, it needs to be brought up or else there's going to be resentment built. It's going to snowball effect until it like implodes in a way. So I feel like, really conversations is the best thing to do. Um, getting it out there, making sure it's resolved and like making sure that you have collaborative efforts with, you know, close people that you trust in your life and you know their intentions and to be able to share that with and like come up with solutions together. There's much more magic that can happen there instead of just doing it on your own, I feel like too. Yeah, and I think I'm so lucky to be, have had uh, just such a strong like family base growing up that I could use that as motivation also in terms of like, people don't understand that people who are okay financially, whatever family wise, yeah. they're still like have deep problems that might even be deeper than people that don't have that. Yeah. Right. So I want to be like the foundation for telling those people that Dude, it's fine. If you have a problem, like just cause you have money, just cause you have, it looks happy around you. If mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, like if you need to talk about something, then you should talk about it. Right. Like a lot yeah. of people think that, Oh I, I don't have it, but you have it. You should be happy. I, I shouldn't be. But, and then that's why like a lot of people that, like we're saying, like Robin yeah. Williams, guys like that, that do end up having all this stuff. People think they're happy because of what they have. And I think that starts early on. If people know that it's okay, whatever your 
financial state is, whatever it is, that if you have a problem, you have a problem. And yeah, it matters, right? Absolutely. And that's another like keen fact um, that I've noticed about life in general is people feel like they need to solve, you know, problem A, problem C, and problem A, problem B, and problem C to be able to like get certain result. And yes, that may be true of circumstances, but like there's always going to be something else that's going to come up. And I feel like that's part of the life ex- life's experience because, you know, when people get to the point where there's no concern or no problem arising anymore, like what, what are you doing? Like if every day was a good day, what's a good day? It's mm-hmm. all average. There's no like substance to life. So I feel like it's, you know, finding things, finding obstacles that you can like really like, you know, find solutions to. And that's why I feel like so many people that you know do become successful end up you know once they get to that point like what else is there to give so they start like finding charities they find like more people to help yeah and like they try to like pull more people onto the plateau of success rather than just like sit on there by themselves and be lonely but um i think that's just a great metaphor for life in general because everybody they they feel like oh once i have like no problems i'm going to be happy but like that's what gives a lot of people fulfillment is going through the process and like overcoming the challenges being resilient and that's just going to be a never-ending cycle. And that's right. just life in general. Because like I said, like if every day was a good day, there would be no good days. They would Absolutely. all be average. Yeah. yeah. Now, my dad used to always say uh, along the lines of like, oh, feeling like there's a difference between good stress and bad stress, right? Like yeah. I think people people always take stress as like a negative thing. Like if you're stressing out over something, like yeah. something's not going right. You're either procrastinating, whatever it might be. You're mm-hmm. stressed out for that. But I think that goes along the lines of good stress. Like if mm-hmm. you're having obstacles every single day and you have something you could truly work on and mm-hmm. be better at, I think that I think that falls into the realm of good stress that you know this might be hard in the moment, but you know that getting through the process of this and loving loving getting through the process of this mm-hmm. can make you a better person at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I think that's good stress. So I think people need to like understand in their life what's causing the good stress and what's causing the bad stress, work on and not, not forgetting the bad stress. I'm not saying only focus on the good stress and make sure that's good. But I think understanding the difference and then working at both of them the, the way they need to be worked at. Like if you're yeah. working at bad stress the way you need to be working at good stress, I yeah. think that might cause a problem, sure. vice versa as well. I think understanding what bad stress is, why that's in your life and how maybe you could tone it down and get rid of it mm-hmm. versus the good stress, which like you should focus on and actually like really like understand that, that they'll both make you a better person in different ways, right? Yeah, I could see that. You know, Dude, I, I love Oh my God, we got to talk about Adam Levine. <laughs> well, I don't know too much about the guy. But oh, I mean, you're about I'm to. A... <laughs> go, go, go. Talk, talk. <laughs> Did you hear about that? What? Oh, can we take like a quick three minute detour? Sure. Did you not hear about the whole Adam Levine situation? I heard that he was like sexiest man alive at one point, but uh, other than that. No, dude, he was like, something. he was literally like... He got caught like cheating, right? He got caught like sending these weird, weird messages to these Instagram models. Okay. Like, like what? Like your body looks phenomenal. They're like these. It's just weird. Like he's married. Yeah, let me whisper sweet nothings into your ear. What does that even mean? Right? Like imagine like. It's. It sounds like no fulfillment, dude. This is like. (laughs) Dude, this is like. 70 year old man at a strip club kind of talk. Oh my! Right? Yeah. Like what? Who says that? I don't know, not me. All of Robbie's DMs are just... I'm just like, <laughs> how's your integrity? That's all I need to know. <laughs> Can you pull up some of the messages he said? Yeah, of <laughs> <It's> so random. <laughs> no, they've been literally making like these memes about it and stuff too. No, I haven't even heard of that. You and your girlfriend text back and forth these weird messages. You just think it's perfectly normal? Oh, uh, <laughs> You're like, that's weird? Hmm. <laughs> I was actually watching Tiago's podcast before I came here. Oh, yeah? Yeah, pretty fire. Uh, I don't know. 
I still don't know who she is. Does he? <laughs> it's a lizard. It's a lizard. It's a lizard. That's what he says. That's what they all it's say. It's on a TikTok video or something, right? <laughs> Wait. Holy fuck. Holy fuck. Your, fuck. your body is absurd. Your body is absurd. Absurd. Holy fuck. Holy fuck. How are you such an hourglass? My God. How are you such an hourglass? My so God. So odd. I'd buy a steak dinner and whisper sweet nothings into it. Let me, hold on. Let me, let, me, let me read these off like here. What? Armand, put your headphones on. I'm going to read these off very sexually. My name is Adam Levine, and I'd buy a steak dinner and whisper sweet nothings into it. I want a tattoo. What, is, what does that say? Yes. I want to tattoo my ass now. Now come to... What does that say? Maui. Now come to Maui and tattoo me and surf. I need, I need to, to put, put some, some clouds behind, behind the, the reaper. Reaper, how do you see that? Fuck. <laughs> I'd do, I'd do anything, anything for, for it. it. And one of these emojis. This Sunday. <laughs> Scream 6 versus 5. Was it an it's ad? It's coming out. <laughs> do, 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 do. It's truly unreal how fucking hot you are. Like it blows my mind. The way you blow my <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> what a detour. <laughs> Fuck. Like that's bad. Like if. What? Like it's bad enough. You think for it's real? No, that's yeah, real. Yeah, like he got caught. So he got caught in a odd. cheating scandal. Whoa. Yeah. He's and married. He's or married, was. right? Or was? Was he? A, did he have a girlfriend or is married? Does he have kids? No, I hope not. Dude, imagine your kids see you. Sending uh, that. Like, he should have got a payphone. <laughs> 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 you saying this all on a payphone? On a payphone, <laughs> telling a girl that I want to get oh. her name tattooed on Hourglass. my Oh, something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, okay. Nice little sub-segment there. <laughs> That's our sub-segment we like to call Adam Levine sucks Robbie Spear. <laughs> okay, okay. Back. <laughs> Let's go back. Where were we? You stress. Give me some examples of you stress. Me stress. Like you, good no. stress. So that's the opposite of stress is you stress. You stress? stress. Mm, is that what it's that. called? No, yeah, I didn't. You stress. Oh, really? Yeah. You stressed. What kind of you stress do you have in your life? Ooh. That's a good question. Do you have any long, like long-term use stresses or are they all just short-term that you handle? I'd say a use stress that I have personally um, would just be like contributions. Like um, like my girlfriend and I, we were talking about, you know, you know, going out and like handing roses out for Valentine's to like people that may be working on Valentine's Day or maybe homeless individuals. But like, yes, that's going to cause like stress for us to be able to like, you know, reach down the ladder of empathy and like really, you know, feel the moment with these people and like whether it be praying for them and just having conversations with them, it's going to be challenging, but to be able to do that, it, there's fulfillment at the end of the day with that. Mm. So yeah, it's like, that's just like a small example, but um, other examples of you stress would be like working out, for example, it's like, you know, it's going to be like, you know, treacherous on your body, but like, I feel like putting, putting yourself through these situations, whether it be working out or like, whatever this converts into like real life scenarios where you're like challenging yourself in order for there to be an outcome that's going to put you in a better position in a healthy way. I feel like that's the best use stress you can have like intentionally. And of course there's, there's some like unconscious ways of use stress as well, but there's some like main ones that I think of. Nice. Do you think everyone deals with some sort of use stress every single day, whether that's their career or personal life? I think it's good to do. I think everybody does it. Not necessarily. Some people, I think it really depends on the questions that you ask yourself. Is like, because you could wake up every day and be like, my life sucks. Why is this, you know, why does God do this to me? Or why does, you know, why do these people, you know, you know, treat me this way? Like really comes down to the, 
the questions and like making sure you're transitioning your vocabulary vocabulary in a way where it's you know um what's the word constructive so you know instead of saying you know why does my life suck ask yourself how can i like make my life better today it's like mm. the same core but like one one gets you one like whatever questions you ask yourself you're gonna find the answers to so say why does my life suck you're gonna find answers to that how yeah. can i make my day better you're gonna find answers to that so it really comes down to a lot of the questions that you ask yourself at the beginning of the day which is like a core five questions that i ask myself at the beginning of the day like what things am i grateful for what things can i contribute to my loved ones today like those are a couple of the questions for example that i ask myself to you know start my day off on a really positive note because i think it's so easy to get caught up in the world of like you know let me check my phone and like as soon as you do that you're worried about like you know what's going on on the outside but it's really really important to take a look on the inside and like you know what do you want to bring in this world because as soon as you wake up and I've also heard right after you work out are the times where you're most, you're most creative in your element of not worrying about what's going on in the world around you, but what you can bring to the world instead. Mm. So you don't check your phone first thing in the morning? Uh-uh. Really? How, how long after you wake up do you I check I'd say it? about like 30 minutes after I um, you know, make my breakfast, brush my teeth. Oh, you do all this stuff before you check your phone? Yeah. Make, make my breakfast, brush my teeth. I actually do some stretching and meditating. I do a little bit of praying too, um, just depending on like you know, what my, what my day is looking like if I have to like do something earlier or whatnot, or if I, you know, wake up in time. Cause sometimes I have those days too, where I just want to sit in bed. But, um, you know, that being said, I think your physiology has a lot to do with overcoming your psychology too. So say for example, if I have a day where I'm like not feeling like wanting to go to the gym, for example, cause it's a pretty, um, routinely thing that I do Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Friday, Saturday. So I go to the gym, no matter what, it's not a negotiation in my mind. But if I have a feeling of like, Ugh, I don't want to go to the gym. First of all, I'm thinking about like, you know, how am I going to feel if I don't go to the gym? Am I, you know, being integrous to myself when I look myself in the mirror? Am I going to be proud of the person standing in front of it? But also another way to encourage yourself to overcome these challenges is to get up and move your body. And a lot of people think that motivation comes from the mindset, but a lot of it comes from the actions that you're already doing and the, um, momentum that is built from that so say if i don't want to go to the gym all i have to do is sprint down to my car and i know if i do that my mindset's already going to be like oh i'm just ready to go to the gym because my body's already like in motion so that's what you do if you're not motivated you're running down it's like a red flag to me if i'm like having a thought of like oh, i don't feel like doing this even though i know i'm supposed to be doing it the mo the thing that i don't want to do the most is exactly the thing that i need to be doing in the moment so i'll, I'll make it sudden action and once i do that it's, it's kind of like, say you're, you've written an essay before, like high school, college, whatever that looks like. Say you're writing an essay. The, f the hardest part is even getting started, like getting the first word on the page. But you notice once you get that first sentence down, it's like, oh, we're on a flow now. Then you just start mm -hmm. writing. It's like how anything is that you're procrastinating in life or that you're trying to like do but don't feel like doing. It's like just take the first step and the momentum will carry itself. It's like, you know, that snowball that's at the top of the mountain. It's already like built for you. All you have to do is push it. You have to take the effort to push it. Once mm -hmm. you do that, you're good to go. Momentum carries itself. Do you think stuff happening in nowadays world is making people too soft and maybe not like going alongside that mindset? Absolutely. Like people nowadays, especially in our country, like people have had such a, an efficiency mindset of like, you know, ev everything should be taken care of for me if I just do this or like press this button. It's it's crazy. Like. You know, we used to have to, you know, map out our directions, you know, have like a, a map to like point out our directions. But if we don't have like Google Maps working, sometimes we're just like, 
I'll just not go because yeah. my math's not working or whatever. It's yeah. like people have that mindset in like everything now. If it's not like a snap of a finger, it's like not worth doing. I feel like sometimes, so people like literally will limit themselves on what they're able to do based off of like the resources that are provided for them. But what people need to be doing is be resourceful and ask them, ask themselves, oh, how can I get through this even though I don't have A, B, or C resources? Yeah, I mean, that the reason I ask you that question is because you mentioned did I write essays. And I talked about this on last podcast too and stuff with like the whole new AI system of like writing everything out for you is coming out. Mm. Uh, that's like the creative space, entertainment space, now getting into like the school space, getting into workspace, like resumes, everything. Cover yeah. letters are all written with this. People aren't even like thinking anymore. It's like a whole computer that's thinking for you. And then on your side of things, like I don't know how crazy it's getting with like supplements when people are working out and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they didn't have the supplements they have now like 30 years ago, right? Like yeah. I'm not only mentioning steroids, but everything that's like supposed yeah. to make everything easier. Like right. I feel like everyone's just taking a shortcut in everything they're trying to do. And yeah. that mindset you have now, I feel like, that was prevalent in a lot more people yeah. long time ago, maybe a few generations before sure. us. So I think that's, it's amazing that you have that. And yeah. And I'm really adamant on like being self-sufficient. So if I feel like any dependency on whether it be a substance or, you know, pre-workout or, you know, like a caffeine or anything like that, like I do not like, you know, you know, my maximum efficiency being created by something that isn't coming from me. And so whether it be anything that I can be dependent on, I'd like need to cut that out as, as soon as I feel like a dependency on it. So if I'm like, you know, on a pre-workout for a certain amount of time and like if I don't have it for a day and my body like is craving it, I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to stop taking that for a while. Cause like, that's when I know that my body isn't at its maximum level or self-sufficient or efficiency level without needing a substance to, to rely on. And that has a lot to do with your dopamine receptors in your mind. And I feel like, that's what this society has done for us so much is like constantly needing so much dopamine in our heads to keep like at an elevated level. And so when we don't have that, it makes a lot of people depressed. And so that's why, you know, you, you can visit a third world country and they don't have the resources that we have, but they're much more happier because they're self-sufficient on this maintained dopamine level that we're supposed to have. But we're so keen in America, particularly in other first world countries to, you know, get as much dopamine as we can and, like, you know, hype, hype ourselves up on, like, the next big thing or whatever that can make us happy or think that makes us happy. But what it really does is it dulls our dopamine receptors so that we need more and more. And I think the thing with, like, other countries and, like, why they're able to be happy with all of this mm-hmm. stuff is, like, if you don't have access to this stuff, then, like, it's not, you don't even have the thought of doing it, right? Yeah. Like, over here, the problem is people are just, like, trying to one-up each other. These companies are trying to make money, so obviously they're going to one-up each other. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, it gets scary when, like, sure, like, we could always cut out pre-workouts. We could always sure. cut out computer systems writing stuff for us. But then it gets scary when it becomes a dependency and then eventually gets into like things like steroids, right? Like people look yeah. at that and it's like, once you start, you're kind of in that, right? You're kind of like, what's the next that. big thing? What's right. the next big thing? Always people are looking to, you know, get the next greatest hit that they can have. It's like any addicts. If you're on like, I mean, meth, for example, like you take it once and you're going to take it once a couple of times, but like the next time it's like, not going to be the same as it was the first time. So what can I do to get that initial high that I had the first time? I'll just take some more. So that's and then your like, body gets so adapted to it that you then you need to take even more and then more and then so you're bad. stuck in it for life, right? Yeah. Like it's so hard. Like you see these addicts and stuff. Like I, I there's days where like I'm like, damn, I want an energy drink because I have like a headache or something. And like my headaches get like sometimes they're pretty bad. It's not awful, but sometimes sure. they're pretty bad, and I hate that. Like I want to, I don't want to do that. Um, but then, like, I think about, like, these people that are, like, you mentioned meth and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. 
I'm like, if I'm having headaches like this off like a little caffeine, I wonder how crazy, right? Like the thoughts yeah. going through your head and like the visions you're seeing if, right. you're, if you don't have this. And that's why it gets scary. Once you're on it, you're stuck on it for life. Yeah. And I think the thing with like, another thing, like going back to that alcohol thing I mentioned, mm-hmm. there's countries that like people here are like, oh, it's part of our life. We just do it. We Let's just do it. Like, I think that's going to become a problem with like a lot bigger things than just alcohol in the future mm-hmm. there's countries like i mentioned iran a lot like it's banned in iran right like like alcohol in uh, general? you can't have any alcohol wow. like people find ways to get it right like sure. people go like if you, they catch you with it it's illegal it's just illegal period right? right like and i'm like i look at people i'm like there's countries doing this yeah our country has done it yeah obviously it didn't work right i mean I, i'm saying but i'm <laughs> but saying yeah. like the the facts are there that there's places that are literally doing this and yeah. not only alcohol think about like bigger things right there's like Imagine we ban all this crazy stuff. We ban AI systems. We ban all this stuff. Right. Like, it's not new. Like, there's places actually like fucking doing it, right? right? So why why do we need to? Why are you telling me like you need? You're so dependent on this pre workout, right? Like mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I'm really intrigued with like the the workout side of things. Like, mm-hmm. did you ever have like a thought in your mind where you're like maybe steroids, maybe not? Like, no, no disrespect. Right. Like I'm saying, like, is there ever a thought being around such like big bodybuilders and stuff? Yeah, it was never a thought to me personally to like even consider steroids because like I mentioned, if I can't like take it naturally, like if my body doesn't, you know, naturally, you know, create it, then I don't want it entering my body. I'm really keen on um, not having any like outside substance. Like I just got really big into like organic foods because I realized like how much, you know, fake crap they put in there, which can be like cancerous, can be like really... um, effective on like our energy in general i literally saw a video i didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off but i saw a video it was really cool about like you see the videos where they put stuff in water and they'll see like the parasites that come right. out right i saw them put strawberries i think it was strawberries tomatoes little tomatoes oh, it was tomatoes in yeah. like water they'll put it in like regular water and they'll put in like acidic water that'll like take everything out that's sure. like cancerous and bacteria and right. everything dude the water was like bright piss yellow in really? like the acidic water that took all the stuff out and it's like yeah. dude this is like it's scary to assume that yeah. And whether you like buy organic or not, I feel like it's really important. Like if you're buying fresh produce in general, it's just to wash it. Yeah. Just simply wash it. I think so. Yeah. It's like a huge like thing that people don't do. And I wasn't doing for years until I saw like a video similar to what you were talking about. And you know, all this stuff that comes off there, you'd be eating like bugs, parasites, like dirt. That's what they spray on up. there. And that's where they come from, right? Pesticides, like literally chemicals you're just consuming. And they literally say wash on there, but like nobody does that. Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's inconvenient. My mom always used to do vinegar or salt water washes on any yeah. fruit. She'd always buy organic. She'd be like, just spend the extra money. Like, yeah. it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's worth like the energy too. It's like if you're, you know, spending more money organically and you're like thinking, like, oh, it's just, oh, it's, I'm wasting my money on buying more expensive things. Like the energy that you're going to have from just clean foods. Is he going to supplement like whatever money you're spending on it? Really? Do you feel it? Like it feels different? Like I feel like more vital. Yeah. I feel like I'm living more life, approaching things with a more clear headspace. So I feel like the energy that I'm receiving from the organic foods is literally like paying off like what I, what I'm spending, you know, for buying organic in the first place. Like I'm in a much more clear headspace and get more done. I have more energy to feel more alive and like be more effective with what I'm doing. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I never knew. The word organic did anything, but I knew it was better. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes like with organic too, it's like sometimes they can put organic on there when it's like 70% organic. But like, I feel like you have to really like look at the ingredients and be like, okay, this is like exactly what it says it is. No, like, you know, xanthan gum or like things that you can't pronounce in there. It's like, it's just try to avoid that as much as you can, especially with fresh produce. But when it comes to like boxed things and stuff like that for, they're going to include preservatives just so they can like have like a longer shelf life, which I feel like is kind of okay. But if you want to be like full, like 
organic person. Like it's obviously the best, but sometimes it's inconvenient. So, so you got to weigh the balances. Interesting. For sure. Mm. 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 Considering mm. over there. <laughs> I, no, I mean, I always, I always, I'm always curious about like vegan diets and stuff. Boba. Like Boba. <laughs> I can't do I can't get away from Boba, but like vegan diets are getting so big, especially in like yeah. LA and stuff. Like so yeah. many vegan restaurants are opening up. I'm not like so keen on like veganism or anything yeah. like that. I'm not like super into that. I understand where it's coming from, but there is a lot of like crucial supplements that you are missing, like vitamin B12s and like proteins and things that are like really important to, I feel like a diet in general, especially as a bodybuilder. Like, like I could go full vegan, but it's just like not the move for me are these energy drinks because we talked about energy drinks before like in person the energy drinks that like i look at it and there's like seven ingredients like no ingredients in there Mm -hmm. zero calories no sugar like but it's so sweet and it's like are these like how bad are these for you like what's in there like what's doing all this to you what do you mean like Like what's what's so bad what's in there i'm saying like what's in there what makes it so sweet what gives it so much flavor if there's nothing in there you gotta be like really really um keen on like looking at the word natural flavors because like that could like bypasses like a lot of different things really yeah because like when they put natural flavors in there it's like you don't really know what flavors they are putting in there it could be like a bunch of different chemicals and things like that but so if they put in like a bunch of different chemicals in there all they need to put is natural flavors and it'll count wow so seven ingredients might not really be seven ingredients probably not Mm. but like this one ingredient that they put in there can can be like 10 different things in this one natural ingredient. It's not that natural. I, I always want, I know I always wonder cause that's, it's so big on yeah. marketing now. Like yeah. no ingredients in here, but then yeah. I tried, I'm like, wow, this is like, yeah, all these different flavors, this much caffeine. I'm like, what's in here? Is this really that, like, okay for you? But I don't know. I, I'm always skeptical. I've always been like mm-hmm. trying to stay away from energy drinks. I never had an energy drink until like pretty recently. Really? Not, not in high school at all. We chugged one on our way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like now, I'm like, I'm trying to stay away, but like, yeah. I'll, I'll, I prefer coffee, but I don't really like the taste of coffee. I mm-hmm. just kind of drink it because I drink it. I think it's good to have every once in a while. If you need a little quick pick me up, I think it's fine. But to be dependent on it is where I'm like, you know, borderline. Like I'd rather not have it at all. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay. Interesting. Yeah. Thanks, Robbie. You make making me think a little. I'll think. I'll think harder when okay. I'm in the store. Yeah. That's and all I'm picking it is. between like, chicken. I'm not here to like be like, you know, you should cut all this out of your diet or not have any of these things. It's like, just consider it before you consume it. I think that's just the don't thing. Don't be so passive that's and the... be like, oh yeah, just grab it and drink it. I think that's why people fail a lot of times when they try to do something, mm-hmm. let's say food or something, when they try to fix their diet. Yeah. The day before they're at McDonald's or whatever, they're doing crazy. The next day they're, they have this list, they're in the store, they're just 100% in. Mm-hmm. And I think that caused a lot of people to fail. I think first thing is understanding it and then slowly making changes one thing at a time, right? Yeah. Like if... If you're eating, let's say McDonald's seven times, uh, five times a week, right? right? I think first thing, instead of just going straight, like if you want to go vegan, going straight vegan the day after, like it's going to mess your mind up. It's going to mess everything up, right? Like mm-hmm. you're not used to that. Your body's not used to it. Your mind's not used to it. I think maybe cut it out. Take two of those out in the first week, right? And then take the third one out. By the third week, you're done eating McDonald's. Fourth week, one meal a day, you start implementing some kind of things vegan. I think that's a lot more powerful than just going in there because you're going to go in there and eventually you're just going to fail. Because I, I, like I've, I've dealt with it. I've seen people deal with it. I think if you're going to do something, you you got to start small. It starts yeah. with understanding in your head. Have you ever done the 75 hard? I haven't, no. Have you heard of it? I heard of it. Yeah. All right. No, Robbie. Robbie is taking a bathroom break. Here's a segment where we talk about the sponsor of the video.
That being said, if anyone wants to sponsor the next video, you might get a segment. Because this video, we had no sponsor. This, today's sponsor could be Huddy. Huddy, come, come say something. <laughs> Sponsored by Huddy's NFT Project. Broom woo, woo, broom steam the house. What's going on, everyone? <laughs> hey, you stole my color, bro. Burgundy's my color. Oh, look. Yeah, we're matching. <laughs> matching. Get Let's your go. dick out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming, Huddy. Thanks for saying hi. Huddy's little characters always secretly somewhere in the in the podcast if you could flip to robbie's thing i think you could see it there it is there's uh, these little funko pop <laughs> where were we 75 hard for those of you who don't know 75 hard is a challenge that i think you and nick were like the first guys to do it here um out of our friend group yeah yeah i think it's 75 days in a row of you tell me working out twice a day yeah you work out twice a day one of them has to be outdoors um, you have to drink a gallon of water a day. You have to follow a diet. Um, no alcohol. Pretty easy for you. Uh, <laughs> I just become an alcoholic when I do yeah. it. <laughs> you have to read 10 pages a day of any book. And then you have to take a progress picture every day as well. 75. So, so 75 days straight of each of those things. That's that's a lot, huh? Yeah. Two and a half months, is it? It's, it's a lot. It's a good like two and a half, three hours out of your day sometimes. Really? Yeah. And it's... I think the tricky thing is is working out twice a day at different times, right? Or can you do this all at once? Yeah, it has to be um, different workouts. So, um, yeah, I think, like, the fitness part, it's fantastic. Like, you get a lot of transformation out of there if you put the work into it. But I feel like the biggest thing of all was the mindset transformation and, you know, really creating a life that you've always wanted for yourself. So I feel like going and, like, self-assessing, like, what – what do I want the outcomes of this challenge to be? And really looking at yourself from the outside perspective in and being like, okay, how do I want my life to be? And how can I implement, you know, daily habits to create this lifestyle for myself? So it's not, I didn't even look, view it as like a challenge per se for 75 days. I was like, what do I want my life to look like on a consistent basis? And so I took that challenge and really implemented it in my life. And yes, there's rules for that 75 hard that you have to accomplish. But now I do that in different aspects of my life where I, whenever I want to implement a new habit or a new system, um, into whether it be my business or like practicing my speeches, et cetera. It's like, if I want to do something, just maintaining it a habit for at least 30 days, I feel like it's crucial to make it like part of your, part of your life. So did this turn into like a routine that you kind of held on to without? Yeah. Something much that about? I, yeah, I don't find like exclusively important, like two workouts a day. Like I work out always once a day. I always read every day and like little things like that where like I wanted to implement those as habits or like make, make phone calls for, for business purposes, just things like that, that I wanted to do that never really had the routine for it. It just gave me a reason to you know, do it consistently for a certain amount of time where now, nowadays when I do these things, it doesn't even feel like I'm doing a challenge or trying to work for a certain outcome. It's right. just part of like my system of what I do. Nice. Yeah. Sorry, let me. You're good. Cheers. Adam Levine. I love your body. <laughs> He's talking crap. Nice. No, that's cool. Cause that's what I, it changes like your whole lifestyle too. Like if you're, do you, did you have to like take away from parts of your life in order to start that? Or you were already like in the fitness stuff. Cause I know like, I don't want to speak on his business and stuff, uh, but I think with the challenge, like you have to like kind of step away from certain things you're doing in your daily life. If you're mm -hmm. not used to this kind of lifestyle, right? Yeah, sure. Like, you know, going out and eating, for example, or like when I was doing my bodybuilding, I'd say that was even more difficult because I had to meal prep everything. Like I would literally go, I have this like travel backpack 
it's like a cooler slash heater for all my food that I have meal prep for the day. And so when I'm out and about and like don't have food, usually people are like, oh, let's go to this restaurant. I'm like, cool, I'll go with you. I literally sit there, pull out my little lunchbox and have food like ready to roll. It's okay. Just go back and forth. I'm about to say bye. But, yeah. um, so you'd actually it. go to these restaurants and yeah, have pull like out a meal prep. Pull out the meal prep and the, the people would be like, what are you doing? But I'm like, bodybuilding, bro. That's that's tough. That's dedication. Tough, huh? Yeah. Sometimes I remember this one time. I was at like it was like a week before my show, and we were all like celebrating one of my friend's birthdays. Um, and we went to this pizza joint. It was like really like nice pizza joint, and like they were like really like fancy and suits and ties and stuff like that. And um, yeah, like bring out my meal, and they're like, yeah, you can't have that here. And I'm like, oh really? They said that? Yeah. They're like, yeah. So I like went out to the patio and ate, ate, came back in. But it's like part of the dedication. It's like. At that point, it's like it ties in a lot of like your identity and like who you say you're going to be. That's why I'm so crucial on integrity and like holding that commitment to myself. Because I'm like, you know, how, at that point, you really find the resources of like asking the questions like, how can I make this happen? If I really want to be number one in this category, like what is the person that's going to be number one look like and be better than them? Because like if you if you're imagining like what somebody like at a top spot looks like. It's like, yes, you can implement what they're doing, but you're never going to be number one thinking about that because everybody wants to be that. Right. But like if you overcome and surpass the expectations of like what the number one person is doing, that's how you're going to win. So I feel like sometimes when you're looking at, you know, the peers around you and like trying to be the best, it's like you're almost limiting yourself because you're basing, you know, your um, like your work ethic in comparison to everybody else around you. And I feel like that's really limiting to your own potential because everything you need is already within you. You just got to like, you know. How can you be the best version of yourself every day? And you're going to eventually come out on the top in front of everybody. Period. Amen. <laughs> wow. Mm. I think that's a good place to, to wrap it up, right? Wrap it up, tap it up. Ooh, I like that. You, you know can't see us tapping it up right bah. now? Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, yeah. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> That being said, thank you so much, Robbie, for coming. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it, man. That appreciate was an amazing conversation. Robbie motivates even when he doesn't try to motivate. Look at his life. Look at the way he lives. Look at the way he dresses. Makes me want to go out right now, put so. some clothes on that I don't own. <laughs> you <laughs> I can borrow them. Sure. I'll borrow them, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Robbie. I appreciate you coming on. Much uh, love, bro. Make sure you guys subscribe. New podcast episode every single week. Today was a fun one. Uh, make sure you subscribe. I'm Kian Albandi, your host. I will see you guys next week. Thanks again, Robbie. Follow him on Instagram, Robbie J. Bobby. Robbie J. Bobby. Much love. And peace.